LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody. It is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. And today we are going to talk about one of my favorite bands momentarily. It's not really about the band, but we're going to use them for our background fodder. And we're going to use them to talk about because Corey Taylor has uh, been around the block for a long time. Pretty complex dude. Um, and for all the negativity that Slipknot seems to put out into the world, there's always this trace of hope. A couple albums ago, they put out an album called All Hope Is Gone. And here recently, Corey Taylor was interviewed, um, and the interview is is very telling on so many levels. Um, I'm going to read to you the article, um, and then I'm going to explain to you why um, I disagree primarily, but more importantly, I'm going to use it analogous to other things. In particular, what catalyzes change, and and what a lot of people mistake for negativity is oftentimes intended to be a catalyst for change, okay? Everything doesn't happen in a straightforward fashion. Unfortunately, there's a great many people that think that change has to happen in this very linear, uh, very linear way. Um, and as a former Republican, libertarian, you name it, former Rush Limbaugh guy, I mean, let's be real, man. I was over there, G. Gordon Liddy. Um, you know, I campaigned for Ron Paul. I mean, huge change, right? Monster amounts of change. So I know what it means to come off of a position that I once held dear to me and change. But I also know that in order for me to have that kind of change, I needed to have a turning point. And those turning points tend to be things that people struggle with. It's because they're intended to be difficult. They're intended to be challenging. They're not intended to be easygoing. They're not your everyday thing. They are intended to bring about an immediate and abrupt coming to reckoning. They're, they're about bringing about that moment where you're like, oh shit, I've got to really consider what this means. It's not like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read that article sometime. Or, hey, can, can you check this video out really? Yeah, no, no, I'll I'll watch it sometime, right? It's it's that kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and read to you this article, like I said, and we're going to discuss it. So let's get on with it. And I'm going to take myself out of the picture so I don't block any of the uh, the great words. And again, this is from uh, Metal Sucks Magazine, of all things. Um, every once in a while, they have something really cool to talk about. And this is one of those times where I think they have something really cool to talk about. So with that, Corey Taylor officially thinks all hope is gone. People aren't going to change and I'm done trying. Now, this sounds to me like something I think many of us could probably get our heads wrapped around. Um, so there, I found another way to do it. So that's fine. All right. So ultimately... Uh, though their general message has always been better find something sharp because God help you if we catch you. Nine-headed Iowan sex llama sec, uh, slipknot have always added an undercurrent of optimism to their music. Like, sure, the whole the world's a dead crow and a jaw, 
but at least us maggots are feeding and growing into something that can fly away from it. But according to a new interview from frontman Corey Taylor has made it clear that now he's pretty much through with mankind, done with mankind. Speaking to Kerrang, Corey said the following. I think if I were younger, then I would believe in something like hope. I would have that kind of optimism, laughs. But I've seen waves of this shit for 30 years and I'm unimpressed. The sad thing is it takes, this is the thing, it takes real tragedy to make anything change because we're not a proactive species. We would rather close the door after the house is already on fire. I'm just kind of used to it at this point. I still obviously support and believe in all the causes that I'm very passionate about, but at the same time, I just realized that people aren't going to change and I'm done trying to change people. It's a wasted effort and it takes time away from the people that I actually care about until I see real shit. I'm just not going to care anymore. It's like, if you motherfuckers want to kill each other, go ahead. I'm just going to stand back and will not be in the line of fire. Because I'm tired of the idiocy. I can only watch stupid fucking shit for so long. Yeah, it's me basically going, go ahead, just fucking beat the living shit out of each other and see what happens. And there you go. At least he can admit that he's just an angry old man. <laughs> Slipknot, uh, the end so far, drops September 30th and is already available for pre-order, blah, 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 blah. And they go into this stuff, right? So let me just get through, get this off my screen now and go into my story. So, you know, think of our changes that we need to make in this country as akin to being an alcoholic in the throes of booze. I mean, just drowning in alcohol. And somebody's saying, you shouldn't drink. And them going, fuck you. Right? And literally pissing the bed and fighting people and waking up with black eyes and strange beds and having no idea what's going on. It's only when they're driving down the road and swerving all over the place or they lose a family or whatever and the cops go, boo, you know, and it's like, oh, shit, son of a bitch, everything's real. By the way, that's an acronym for the word sober, son of a bitch, everything's real. Remember that. It's very, very true, too, by the way. And so it you have to hit rock bottom to get into recovery, quite frankly. I, I have never seen someone come off of a really, really wonderful uh, cocaine bender and say, I got to quit that thing. I've just never seen it happen. Now, maybe one of you all have seen it happen. I've never seen it happen. I have absolutely never seen it happen. And so as as I... You know, I've, I've been in recovery for a long time. So a lot of the messages you hear me talk about and the things you hear me talk about are coming from a perspective of an individual that has sat in many, 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 many anonymous rooms. I won't even bring the name of the organizations into it uh, to leave their anonymity intact. But for me personally, I've sat in many, many rooms where people that are very rich and people that are very poor, people with a full set of teeth and people with no teeth, you know, people like myself that are missing five, six teeth and have open exposed nerves and all in the same room together talking about how they can get well, how they can overcome this addiction, right? And you know, when somebody walks into that room 
the person that's too cool, that won't follow instructions, that thinks it's optional, doesn't take advice, doesn't follow through, that person, you're just sitting back and going, they'll be back. And they're like, but I'm here. And like, yeah, but you're not going to be here for long because you still think you got all the answers. And you're going to go ahead and do everything, absolutely everything other than the thing that's necessary to do. You will try to do every possible thing other than the difficult thing before you'll make a change. And so for years, I was personally filled with 100% apathy and 100% doubt that anything would ever change. Not only did I not realize that it was possible to change the system around us or the world around us, but I really didn't think I could change personally, okay? Well, obviously, I haven't had a drink since September 15th, 2006. That's a huge change for a guy that was once picked up out of a gutter by the shirt collar with mosquitoes all over him and puke all over my face and down my shirt and urine all over my pants. As a guy picked me up and said, hey, there but by the grace of God go I and drug me off and tried to get me sober, okay? It was unfortunately one of those nice, you know, boys in blue moments, boo, okay, that originally started it off. But then the thing that really finally kept me in a place where I could hear that I needed to change was when I came home one night after a football game and I was pissed drunk and I told my parents that I'm going back home to my wife. And they saw I couldn't even stand up. And my dad, who had supranuclear palsy, was hunched over and frail like this. He's dead. Love you, Pop. But you uh, took my keys from me and said, I'm not going to let you kill yourself, Stephen. I'm not going to let you kill yourself. You know, you can beat my ass, but I'm not going to let you kill yourself. And I remember drunk as a black. I was like, like this. And, and it was in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I was about to hit my own father. Oh, my God, this, this man who's barely, just barely there. And he only had a few years left to live. I mean, he lived 10 more years after that moment because he died literally 10 years to the day after I had my last drink. And that night was indeed my last drink. Now it's 16 years later. It'll be uh, 2000. It will be 16 years of sobriety, September 15th. Yay, Steve. And the crowd goes, wild. Hey, hold on, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So the idea of getting sober and making that change, you come to a turning point, you flip it around, you say, I'm going to have to do something different. Okay. I hope that. And so when you look at modern monetary theory, or you look at climate crisis, or you look at healthcare for all, you look at college debt, you look at the freaking interest rates rising, you look at all these things and you realize people are going to die. These things are real things that are going to kill lots and lots and lots and lots of people. And there is this very unfortunate reality that some of us probably are not aware of. Now, coming from a Republican perspective at one point, 
I fully understand the reactionary anger that the right wing has. I know where it comes from. I get it. There's this weird perception of inequality, but it's a different kind of inequality because they're the ones that worked really hard in their mind, right, wrong, or different. They worked really, really hard to get wherever they're trying to get to. And they look at somebody else. Now, they don't fully understand why they're down and why they're up and all that stuff. They're not into all that. They just know that they skipped the party Friday night and studied late. They know that they woke up early Saturday morning, took the test, missed the wedding, missed the birthday party, whatever, and got their degree. And they feel entitled to reaping the rewards of that hard work. I'm not here to make excuses for all the bigotry and all the other bullshit. I'm just trying to let you know this is where some of that comes from. But you look at a lot of rank and file Democrats that came around before Bernie Sanders ran for office the first time. They had no concept of what neoliberalism is. They thought Hillary Clinton would be a great president. They had no idea of the level of really, really horrific natures of neoliberalism. And so you still see people that haven't hit that bottoming out. They're probably doing pretty damn good. And they're very, very sensitive. They cannot hear you talk negatively about any of these political figures. They can't hear you tell them anything other than what these political figures say. And at the same time, they have no answer for why nothing has changed. They have no answer. It's always the Republicans' fault. Now, I will tell you, the Republicans are definitely not trying to help out in any way, shape, or form because they don't agree with the solutions. They don't understand the solutions. They don't understand the problem. They don't even understand the problem. So if you think about this, three quarters of the people we're begging and pleading to take action on climate change, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, they don't believe, not at, a, not at that level, not at that, I'm at my turning point. I'm at that point where I'm about to do something that's gonna put me in jail. I'm at that point where the world is about to come out from under my feet if I don't take action. They keep thinking we got tomorrow and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and in another 15 years, it'll be okay. A lot of these people live in very, very nice homes. They got the kind of dogs that you want to put up on Puppy Quest or some puppy, you know, bazaar where all the beautiful dogs are, and they got the beautiful houses and the beautiful lives, and everything's beautiful. So the idea of somebody going to bed at night with exposed nerves in their teeth doesn't register because they're too fucking bougie. They're too fucking comfortable. And so the idea of making a change to do an about face and take this stuff seriously. And I'm not talking about just the boutique seriously, where it's like, hey, let me pretend like I'm getting arrested, put my hands behind my back and not remember and wave to the camera not realize, oh shit, I'm supposed to act like I got my hands behind my back. You know, I'm supposed to act like I'm, I'm, I've got handcuffs on. Oh, I forgot. Shit. That went the ruse, right? The problem is the people with the exposed nerves in their teeth see that. 
And they say, there's nothing performative about the missing tooth in my mouth. There's nothing performative about the pain and suffering I'm feeling right now. There isn't tomorrow because tonight I won't sleep if I don't have pain medicine to fix my fucking teeth. And so you're competing with people that have this long view of the world. They fancy themselves to be visionaries, but they're not worried about here and now because they recognize it's going to probably take us 25 years to change the system. So we may as well buckle in, calm down, calm down, and we'll just, we'll get to it. That is not a person that's hit rock bottom. And so as you hear Corey Taylor saying this stuff, you know, I mean, if you're just looking around and waiting every time, think about it. I come on this, this right here, Rogue Scholar, and I tell you three primary things beyond MMT and all the other stuff. I tell you three primary things, and I'll keep interlacing these three primary things until either I'm completely canceled or there's a movement behind me, one or the other. Number one, that it really is not me, us. It really does come down to us. Number two, that parties have an objective and it's not to serve us. And there's too many power people in those parties that are unwilling to cede power, that are gatekeepers. And I'm not talking about at the presidential level. I'm talking about in your backyard, in your local community, at your local DNC or local whatever. The politics of local shit is just as freaking stupid as the politics at regional and the politics at national. It's all stupid. And the gatekeeper stuff is ridiculous. So I tell you that we need to organize beyond the duopoly. I, I, I kind of recognize the first past the post system. I may want a third party, but you've got to get these two parties that are in power to actually write a bill, vote and pass a bill on having ranked choice voting or anything else to be able to allow third parties into the mix. You are dependent on the duopoly to make a law to support ending the duopoly. This last election cycle should show you exactly how non-possible that is. As the Democrats fought to keep Howie Hawkins and the Green Party off the Pennsylvania ballot and many, many others throughout and people like Addy Barkin, who I will continue to bring his name up every chance I get to say he celebrated keeping third parties off the ballot, shows you exactly what we're up against. North Carolina fought tooth and nail to keep a green off the ballot. There, it's just repetitive over and over and over again. The systems are there, controlled by the people we're trying to unseat. And they have control over the powers of those levers. So the only way to organize against that is, in my opinion, outside of that. It's not to say start a third party, because I don't believe that can happen in this case. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't prepare for that. It means that you should have everyone, including many of the people that feel like hostages that still vote Democrat, that still show up those things, they're doing because they see no alternative. Those people, if they were able to unite and work outside of the party structure, would be a lot more free to take direct action to force the hand of these people. But the problem is, the third thing, is you got to hit rock bottom to believe that you have to take things into your own hands, not me, us. 
instead of waiting for them to pass a bill to enable ranked choice voting. To get out of this mindset that we are dealing with leaders in Congress, I don't know where the hell these people get the idea that these people are leaders. No definition of leadership do I see that does performative bullshit that's fake, that's not real, that it, that literally diminishes the struggle of people who are, how do I put this, really hitting rock bottom, that are dependent on those people up there as they pretend to go through the motions and wear kente cloths and fake their arrests, Okay. I've seen that the average rank-and-file Democrat will punch down at the guy who's literally sitting there with the tooth, teeth all over his mouth missing, falling out of his mouth, and make him the bad guy instead of looking in the mirror and realizing they're a gatekeeper. They're blocking you from getting your teeth fixed by literally standing in your way and not helping amplify that message because again pain is just so not good for brunch pain and reality is just not good for the elite clubs that go on their yachts and hang out and drink grand manier and hang out in these bougie parties where they take pride in who they don't let into the party as opposed to who they let in okay So our government, you know, and the thing is, I was talking to another gentleman the other day, friend of mine out in Washington state, who was talking about the thing that is most challenging for him is knowing that things could be better, empirically understanding that modern monetary theory allows us to understand the way that our economy works and to understand the, the real boundaries and the real what is possible, the realm of possibility, and to know that we could do great things. Like my stream the other day where we talked about the James Webb telescope and all the spending bills that would have to go in to make that work, to explore the universe. They can't fathom a better world. And they always think it's got to be some way future thing because they're willing to placate the rich and to placate the sensibilities of the country club people, the bougie people that speak at uh, wealth uh, creation seminars, as opposed to the people that can't afford to go to the dentist. They would rather curry favor upward and punch downward. And so you say to yourself, if I'm talking to someone who's suffering, what hope do I give them? Is all hope gone? What hope do I give them? What message do I speak? What message do I give them as they explain that they haven't slept for days because their jaw is so swollen, it hurts so bad that they can't function? What hope do I give them? Is it that the MMT community is fighting daily for this, or is it that the MMT community doesn't like harsh language and will excommunicate those who speak harshly? What hope do I give them? Because the only people that seem to have any stake in this game are the people that are doing okay 
and speak very, very politely, curtsy. And unfortunately, the worst part of it is we have made life so unbearable for so many that they have checked out of the system. They no longer care. They can't vote. And yes, the poor don't or can't vote. Well, they can't mostly. And those that don't, they don't believe there's hope. They're sitting there living under a bridge or they're living in a trailer and they're literally licking their wounds as they hear people of great means talking down to them as they're just being unreasonable. They're just being unreasonable. This is called gaslighting, okay? It's called gaslighting. And so when you think about the poor, when you think about the people that are desperate, they don't have five years to wait. They want change now. Whether it's realistic or not, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Why would we not give people health care? Why would we not take direct action on climate crisis? Why would we not take direct action on homelessness, on food and security? Why would we not take direct action on that stuff? And when you see people would rather punch down than take action, they would rather get angry at the person making unrealistic demands. They would rather get mad at them than the people not taking action. How many times have you heard somebody punching the shit out of somebody who is disgusted with the performative nature of the so-called progressives in Congress? Getting angry at them like they're the bad guy when they're sitting there in pain, homeless, living tough, having a struggle, really, really, really living the worst life. They're the ones that are always told they're asking too much, but you need to have the long game. You need to understand. Oh, they're just, they're. what do you want them to do? Well, I'll tell you what I want them to do. I want them to be prepared to be a one-term congressperson. I want them to be prepared to be a one-term senator. I want them to be a one-term whatever. I want them to be prepared to be a one-termer so that they're telling the truth so that the people that need hope, that need hope, have hope because they see people fighting for them, not busy punching down at the poor and punching down at those who are just sick of the system the way it is, instead of punching them. Punch up and say, damn it, you've got a power. You've got a voice. You've you got millions of people on your Twitter thread and your Instagram and everything else. Why in the world are you not really organizing on their behalf instead rubbing elbows with your Louis Vuitton bags and your this, that, and the other. That shit don't float. And I think to myself, the reason why MMT stuck with me, the reason why I was able to make these changes, the reason why I went from being a right winger is because I did hit rock bottom. I wish I could claim it's some great moral victory of mine, some great, you know, like real big, strong chin, you know, kind of propaganda, but it's not. I hit rock bottom. There was nothing 
special about me in any way, shape, or form. I was a garden variety drunk. I was a rando dude that was just like every other dude. I was a jag, nothing different, except I was a drunk. And hitting rock bottom is what made me start thinking. And here we are. We're facing an existential climate crisis. Finally, Joe Biden says something like, I'll pass an executive order of some variety. Now, if you know anything about charity and you know anything about the behaviors of the wealthy, you can almost see the person in their $5,000 suit, more than that, maybe 10, I don't know, whatever, talking to the help. Cut them a check. Cut them a check. But when you realize that the system is rigged and that private sector businesses rape people for profit because that's their whole point of living is profit for shareholder value, and you realize that everybody doesn't win because the system is set up intentionally to create a false scarcity to drive you. You know, if you don't understand that, then it's kind of standard fare to become a right winger instead of being a lefty. But if you understand economics, and most right wingers have no concept of it, zero, by the way, but then again, neither do many lefties, or they have a wrong concept. I realized that here I was with two master's degrees, tons of certifications, and still fucking struggling because of past shit catching up with me from when I was fucked up, trying to get away from my past, trying to live a new life. There was no, there's no hope. It's, it's a jail cell. It's a life sentence, okay? And when you recognize that, and you think to yourself, but man, I, I got it pretty good comparatively. I am educated. I can get a decent job. I can do some different things, you know? And you think about the people that are even worse off and you're like, holy shit, this system ate me alive and I do have the degrees. Think about everybody else that's getting fucking run over. You would like to believe that that would be enough to make people change. You would like to believe that that would be enough to make those Democrats and those supposed progressive Democrats to stop seeking power through bougie ways, to stop rubbing elbows with the Louis Vuitton crowd and start helping those people at the bottom so that they can come and vote, so that they can participate in society. But it's going to take a bit of a cacophony, a bit of a, a turning point, a bottoming out to make some of these well-to-do people and some of these people that just think, oh, just vote harder, vote blue, no matter who, whatever. It's not a matter of whether you vote Democrat. I'm not here. It's not about Democrats, ironically. This is a matter of knowing full well that we've watched forever 
voting not land any of the programs you say you want. You've seen Congress not serve people at all. You've seen the presidents, no matter how noble they come off in the campaign trail, become corporate shitheads like Barack Obama. So it's obvious that voting alone can't get us there. Because if it would, I've never seen a campaign quite like Barack Obama's campaign. It's fantastic in the campaign. The presidency, not so much. Bernie Sanders' campaign, tons of people throwing everything they have, everything, money they didn't have, life they didn't have, time they didn't have, throwing everything to try to get Bernie Sanders elected only to have the carpet pulled out from under their feet. Yeah, I get it. It's no wonder people have grown nihilistic. It's no wonder people see no hope. But there is a path forward. There is a path forward. It's just not what you're being told by the bourgeois boutique in-crowd liberals. They want you to believe that simply vote all Democrats and then we'll worry about the rest later. It's a standard thing. It's said every fucking election cycle, every election cycle since I've been born, it has said the exact same thing. It's only gotten worse since Reagan and it's gotten even worse since Clinton. And now we're just in complete and utter insanity. But to organize beyond, to bring people to a moment where they don't have to like your message, but they feel that bottoming out. They feel the desperation. They see the pain. They see it, and they can't hide from it. To me, we have to do a lot more of that because these rich people, I mean, they talk about, but they don't care about Medicare for all folks. I mean, they might care about it. They might have like a, a charity level care. Hey, write them a check. Oh, yeah, let's give the little some Medicare. But the reality is, if there's no Medicare, it doesn't matter. They can fly to Mexico on their private jet. They can go to wherever and get their teeth fixed. They will have pearly whites, perfectly cleaned, properly manicured fingernails. Their skin will be so soft. Everything will be just right. <clears throat> And so I think to myself, there is hope, but it's got to be within us. And we have to work together beyond the system, beyond. And when I say this, I'm, I get so angry. Let me, let me just confess. I get so bitterly angry at Democrats who tell me that I'm saying don't vote. And from nihilists to say, I'm a Democrat just pushing to vote for Democrats. I'm saying, throw the kitchen sink at this motherfucker. Go through the vote. I can't guarantee that the vote is rigged. I know that the primaries are rigged, but I can't guarantee the voting is rigged. So vote. But on the outside of this, you're never going to get the kind of bold, progressive legislation. You're not going to get any of the things we need unless there is a credible threat to their power. Unless there's a demand that can be met with a credible 
thing that we 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 can force and you're not going to get that from the very party that is there to stifle and kill everything from the rainbow coalition and jesse jackson to bernie sanders have you ever seen the democrats work harder than they did when they tried to kill the bernie sanders campaign have you ever seen the Democrats work that hard to fight anything except for maybe this January 6th commission that they've put on for weeks now? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Some horrible shits come out of this. But the flip side to that is, is that this is the kind of thing that is then in turn used against people that are really actively trying to bring about change. And if you think for a minute, that the results of their hard work on this January 6th commission won't suddenly put in play things that will block lefty efforts. You're crazy. This will be used 100% against us in the future for organizing, for doing stuff. But the fact of the matter is that without having a real bottoming out experience, without organizing outside of the control of a party that sits there and laughs at you, if you don't recognize that, then there will be no hope because you're going to continue to do the same shit over and over again that never nets you any anything. never nets you a goddamn thing. You know, we talk about nonviolent direct action. We saw Occupy Wall Street get co-opted and, in, you know, the infiltrators and so forth. But the fact is, is that Occupy Wall Street gave us a, a blueprint to some degree on what it could look like if the people outside of the political system, outside of the party structure, got together over subjects. And so I think to myself, what could be more important than the framework? You can hate the word all you want, guys and gals. But let's be fair. We're dealing with clickbait society. People that will, a thousand people will show up for a live stream about inner alt-media wars. That's how fucked this movement can be. They won't listen to something specifically about fixing it. They want to hear people bitching at each other about alt-media wars. So just know there's no guarantees because that's the shit that's capturing their minds. I guess partially because they just have lost hope. I think part of it is that many have become nihilists. I think part of it is because there's channels out there that specialize in nihilism. But what I'm offering up is the opposite of nihilism. I'm offering up hope. I'm saying you're powerful. You are powerful. I am powerful. If together we are really powerful. But we have to be organized. We have to make demands. And we have to stop thinking that that vote is the way that we get anything done. Every time you put a person in office that doesn't understand modern monetary theory, you get neoliberal economics from them, period. Period. So you got to be educating people as well. So that when the opportunity strikes, these people that understand it can actually position themselves to do it. But that doesn't change people 
with the exposed nerves in their teeth right now, does it? So you've got to give them hope and you've got to make sure that they know you're fighting for their very real right here, right now needs. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that every time I try and talk about this, some pathetic Democrat tries to lecture me about how important it is to vote and claims that I'm saying don't vote. I, I don't know how to make you understand how disgusted I am in that sort of person that tries to tell me that I said don't vote because I didn't say don't vote. It's shameful, isn't it, that they would lie, that they would say something like that, but they do. They say it all the time. That is not what I'm saying. I am, however, telling you that if we don't get together outside of the party where where the Nira Tandons of the world don't have power over us and the Debbie What's-Her-Name-Schultzes of the world don't have power over us and the Hillary Clinton uh, community doesn't have power over us, where we get to make those choices, you know, where we get to be part of that. Great comment right there. But it takes a 360 view on this. It really does. And there will be no popular movement. There will be no proper populist movement that will force the hand of these gatekeepers who really believe that you know, as long as they get to go to the party on Fifth Avenue and they get to rub elbows with the, you know, the celebrities. They're not going to risk that. They don't want to put that uh, that fun, uh, you know, that fun thing. They don't want to get rid of their place, their privilege. So nihilism is not the answer, but it's a very, very understandable thing when you've got really, really evil people that are well-to-do that are telling them, hey, you just got to vote blue evil, psychotic people that ignore the pain and suffering and just immediately flip it around that it's on the poor to somehow or another fix this problem that that fucker running for office could easily fix if they weren't a fucking sociopath. If they weren't on the fucking take. But instead, there's a whole row of bougie sons of bitches that are run interference for that do-nothing congressperson and make the person that's suffering be the bad guy. Think about what I'm saying. The surefire way to make sure that people check out of the system is to make them believe that their thoughts and their desires are irrational. When they're trying desperately to survive, that they're being the, they're the irrational one, not the people that are literally lying to them and not doing anything for them. You've got to make them believe that it's in their best interest to take action on the behalf of the suffering. Because otherwise, what's in it? Why? Anytime they have to take a stance, it's going to be painful for them. Who wants to do something that's painful? They don't want to have to, you know, actually do something meaningful like that when they can just show up every day, get, you know, quarter million dollar salary, whatever, and freaking, you know, be on television all the time, rubbing elbows, preparing their next corporate job when they leave Congress or leave the White House or whatever, become part of the revolving door into Wall Street, et cetera. Why would they want to jeopardize that? 
the problem here is, is that this belief that the Democrats equal organizing, that the Democrats equal fighting for us, that the Democrats equal good things will happen in the labor movement, that the Democrats equal, you know, co-ops suddenly being part of the picture, that the Democrats suddenly equal this, is why the Democrats don't do that. They're captured. They're part of a system that is bought and paid for by lobbyists. That's who they listen to for their campaign donations, and that's who they listen to to go ahead and write the bills. But these people don't even understand the bills they're signing in the law. They're handed to them by lobbyists. They're handed to them by handlers. And so you want to find hope. You want to be able to present hope. And I'm telling you, hope is within us, within us taking action, within us teaching each other the ropes, teaching each other things, not just saying stupid hot takes. Not just retweeting hot take after hot take after hot take, but actually meaningfully doing something. Not sitting there and acting like they're going to just burn the system down while simultaneously doing nothing but binge-watching Netflix. We have to understand that this is an action thing. To get something, there's an action that's required. I know far too many people that are out there roller skating, snowboarding, and, and hey, be all you can be. I'm not here to denigrate passions and fun. But it always comes at the expense of organizing and activism. It always comes at the expense of doing something that could further the mission of building outside power. Because in the reality, most people really don't believe we can have power. They've been told by every freaking party sycophant that you can't have power. They've been told all these things and they just, they might go through the motions, but they don't go through those motions with conviction. Because if you have conviction, what do they call you? An extremist. If you have conviction, you're an extremist. If you have conviction, you're unrealistic. If you have conviction, you're not pragmatic. If you have conviction, well, you're just difficult to deal with. You're an obstructionist. You're a whatever. But the reality is we need to convince as many people as possible. Please, by all means, vote. Do whatever it is you do. I'm not asking you to quit your party. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is help us outside the world organize collectively organize your communities, collectively talk to your neighbors, collectively get into reading groups in your backyard, collectively teach people, give them information, talk to them, have an elevator pitch for why these things matter. But imagine a Green New Deal and the 21st Century Bill of Rights, right? These are two things that are kind of mainstream and have some universal appeal and are enough of a framework for organizing around that if we use that, it would keep it simple, stupid, if you know what I'm saying. It would keep it simple. And if you have a simple framework to organize around, we know we have a climate crisis. Green New Deal covers it. We know of a medical problem. Medicare for all sort of covers it. 
We know that we've got an issue with student debt. We cover it. We know that we have an issue with food insecurity. We can cover it. We can cover basic needs. We can cover these things. We can expand social security. All these things are absolutely possible. And if we can organize around them and make those things, the problem is, is that the last time anybody said Green New Deal was so far back that nobody even pays attention. Now it's like what, build back green. What, what, what is it? I don't even know the names of these. The, the green dream. What? What? So, you know, this is a great question. Dorian, I'm going to put your comment up here. I want to read this to everybody because I think it's important. Sometimes knowing these things feels like such a burden and takes away from the life you're living. Can you do both at the same time? That's my question. And you know something? Let me let me tell you. I'm, I'm glad you said that because when you know there's a ticking time bomb and you believe there's a ticking time bomb, a climate time bomb, an ice shelf melts and a glacier slips in the ocean, displaces 12 inches of water, creates tsunamis. That's pretty cataclysmic, right? Canary Island splits, a big part of the mountainside falls into the ocean, creates tsunamis. That's kind of deal. Ice melt happens, permafrost changes, glaciers melt. All of a sudden, old prehistoric viruses and other things coming out back to life. That's real. That's scary. These are all things that, you know, should in some way, shape, or form be able to be catalyzed into action. These are things that we should be able to turn around. Now, the problem is once you know it, though, you feel the heaviness of knowledge because knowledge, they was a saying with with great powers come great responsibility, but with great knowledge comes great responsibility as well. You know? And, you know, I, I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the toughest things is dealing with the folks that are still living in caves, reading hieroglyphics, and turning them into conspiracy theories. The reality is so much worse than the conspiracies. And it's so much easier to comprehend than the conspiracies. Instead of hot take after hot take after hot take from people that have no training in science whatsoever that come out of the woodwork with a bunch of shit trying to tell you to override your doctor or ignore oh my god but that's what happens in a in a information vacuum where information isn't making it through where people are not hearing the truth where people are not being exposed to the truth and the media is fake and every and you're questioning your very existence So I'm offering what I consider to be hope. And the hope comes in the form of real actionable stuff. 21st century Bill of Rights, Green New Deal, mash them together. You got your health care, you got your student debt, you got your job guarantee, you got your just transition, you got your green energy, you got your movement away from fossil fuels, you've got education, you've got everything in one bundle. The keep it simple smiley method right here to activating. And yes, you're exactly correct. You know, here's the problem. 
and I'm going to say this because I've only got a few minutes left. I work with academics, with people that are very, very brilliant. And I, some of them are more relatable than others. Some of them get the pain and suffering of the little people and others kind of gloss right by it. They have their nice life and they're, they're looking for consulting dollars and so on and so forth. And, you know, Hey, to each their own. But part of the reason why MMT is languishing, part of the reason why it's languishing is because regular people recognize that in order for MMT to matter to them, to them, now it's, it matters, period, whether it matters to them or not, it's not another story. But the reason why it doesn't matter to them is because in the end, they say to themselves, who's going to do anything with this knowledge? They're out there being performative. No one's taking action. Who am I supposed to count on here? You're asking me to count on these losers in office that aren't doing anything? And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying point blank, they're public servants. They're not fucking leaders. Not me, us. It's us. They're there to represent us. If they don't represent us, if they don't represent us, then the only righteous thing to do, period, wisdom be damned, is to let the people know that they're not being represented and join together and bring that to the surface. Put a spotlight on. Do not sit there and just let it go. Don't just pretend it's not happening. This is bullshit. And that, my friends, is exactly why the average person doesn't, doesn't get radicalized by this. They should. It should matter that we're in an existential climate crisis. Their existing crisis is greater than the fear of the world coming to an end or greater than their fear of, of water wars and, and resource wars that this, it just seems too far off for them to care because their existing situation is so fucking bad they can't think beyond that. And it's the bourgeois, these people out there that literally are living la vida loco, trying to gatekeeper and tell us what is reasonable and not reasonable that are killing hope for the people. And that's why you've got so many people checking out. That's why you've got so much fucking nihilism. And that's why people won't sit there and unite together because they hate, hate these motherfuckers that are telling you that your hopes and dreams are just too much. It's just unreasonable. It's not pragmatic. It's not practical to want to save the world with a Green New Deal. It's just simply not practical. But the hope to, to get past this is that take Bernie at his word with not me, us. Forget everything else. Not me, us is a very valid slogan. It's something that I personally believe in 100%. And it's something that we're going to need to really embrace to take on the system that's determined to keep using us to make their little tables and make their cakes and fix their coffee for them and fix their cars for them and fix their boats for them and serve them and be their clowns and be their entertainment and so forth, because they will never feel any of the pain that we're talking about ever. 
it's it's a foreign concept to wonder how they're going to pay their electric bill. It's a foreign concept to wonder how they're going to get their tooth fixed. We have to organize collectively. And this is part of the problem is that I always see people running off, just running off a soloist, doing this and running off over there and doing that and running off and doing it. And literally they're a blue flame. And minutes later, the flame is out, is flash in the pan. I've been doing this straight up now for almost 15 years. With, with real progressives, we're coming up on nine years. I never check out. I never stop talking about this stuff. I never stop trying to give hope. Even when I don't see hope through the lens that these bourgeois motherfuckers put out there. Even when I'm not sitting there singing the praises of Joe Biden, the most progressive whatever. I still have hope. Not hope in the party, not hope in what, hope in us realizing that we are being used and stepped on. And, and get to the point where we're not willing to take it. Realize this, Republicans, Democrats, lobbyists, millions upon billions of dollars of, of, of funding and gear, the best gear, the best databases, the best everything. And that's what we're competing with. Is that scary? Is that daunting? Hell, yes, it is. That's why it's so important that we don't just sit there and just bow to these bourgeois motherfuckers that don't feel any pain, that don't have any real meaningful skin in the game. That if they don't get Medicare for all, they're going to be perfectly fine paying $10,000 so that they can jump ahead of the line and get taken care of. They don't, it, it's not real to them. And the problem is we need to make it real to us that we do have power. And that, my friends, is the end of this story. There is hope, but it's going to require us realizing that it's up to us and that we do have a choice and that we do have opportunity. It's just not through the way you thought you were going to get there. It's more important to learn and get ready to change the world into the right system instead of just shaking the fucking ground and screaming and yelling and being angry and nihilistic and running off and taking your toys and being done. Notice I did not say vote harder. Note I didn't say, please join your local Democratic Party. Note I didn't say any of that. But note I also didn't say don't vote. So with that, I hope you guys find what I said to be hopeful because it was intended to be hopeful. It was intended to be hopeful because I believe in us. I believe in a movement. I believe in people fighting for their own welfare and their own security. And I believe us making our government represent us is a fair ask. And I hope you do too. So I'm Steve Grumbine, the Rogue Scholar. I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 